In Habakkuk 2 verse 14, the prophet by the Holy Spirit gave prophecies that are very relevant to the times we live in today. The evils and darkness covering the earth makes it seem like there is no hope but actually there is hope. Where lies hope? Hope lies in the knowledge of the glory of God which is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Things are bound to change when Jesus is revealed and known by many. Through the platform of Pluru, God's servant Pastor Chimdi Ohahuna reveals Jesus in his teachings. Be blessed as you listen to this series, Understanding the Finished Work of Christ. Hallelujah. Uh, we're going to be continuing our studies on understanding the finished work of Christ. And uh, we are done, we have learned quite a lot. And uh, we thank God for what we have been learning. Uh, we thank God for the revelations we have been getting from His Word. And we thank Him for transforming our lives by His Word. Amen. So we're going to be understanding another work that Jesus came to do. And that's the work that He came to serve. He came to serve. And I'm going to be subtitling this teaching, this study today, The Born Sabbath. The Born Sabbath. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came once to be ministered unto, but to, the, to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's the King James Version. The International Standard Version says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then the Easy English Translation says, Even the Son of Man came to us to be a servant. He did not come here to have servants who must work for him. He came to die so that many people can be free. Praise God forevermore. I like the easy English translation puts it very explicit. For the Son of Man came to us to be a servant. He did not come here to have servants who must work for him. He did not come here to have servants who must work for him. So the purpose of his coming was what? To be a servant. A servant. A servant. So why did Jesus come to earth? He came to earth to be a servant. He did, his first coming was the coming of a servant. That's why from his birth, it showed the kind of thing he came, the kind of life he came to live. He was born in the most humbling way. He was born in an he was born in a stable and he was put in a manger, in a manger. A manger was a feeding throne used to feed animals. They couldn't even get in the stable, they couldn't even get a bed because it was a, 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 a pen, it was a place where animals stayed. So they had to use the throne for the for the animals, put it where uh, Joseph had to put uh, the, 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 uh, the, 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 the grasses in it and then they made Jesus there. That the, his bed showed the kind of purpose he had. It showed the life he came to live, the life of a servant. He came to serve. He came to serve. He didn't come to have people who must work for him, but he came to serve. Now, one of the greatest disfavor uh, uh, anybody would do is to have a master mentality on this earth. Now, when Jesus walked the face of the earth, he had a servant mentality. When he's coming the second time, he's not coming to walk the face of the earth. Why he came the first time, he walked the face of the earth for 33 and a half years. And he walked the face of the earth with his servant mentality. That's why he could achieve success in his job, in the, in what, uh, in, uh, in, in, in the purpose for which he came. And uh, the, uh, the, the next time he's coming, he's not coming to walk the face of the earth. He's coming to take his bride with him. Praise the Lord forevermore. Now, the greatest demerit that can happen to any individual is to walk the face of this earth with its master mentality. 
The master mentality ends up in total failure. Only the servant mentality ends up in success. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. In the above verse of scripture, we see one reason why Jesus came to end. And this reason is the channel and summation of his purpose and work on earth. Holy Spirit, grant us revelation into your word in the name of Jesus. We see one reason why Jesus came to earth. And actually, this is the reason why he came to earth. Because this reason is the summation and the pop and the summation of his purpose and his work on earth. Everything that is work, everything he came to do on earth was summed up in one word, servant. His purpose was summed up in one word, and that was the word, servant. And the reason was what? To minister. To minister means to serve. So ministry, that is to say service, encapsulates and summarizes the whole work of Jesus. Ministry encapsulates and summarizes the whole work of Jesus. So why you are going so what did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to do ministry. Now one of the problems we have most of the time is we have a lot of people who say ministry, 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 I'm into ministry, I'm into ministry, but we don't even understand what ministry entails. Praise God for evermore. We don't understand what it entails. So I'm in, I'm into ministry, I'm a minister of the gospel, but we don't understand what the minister of the gospel entails. And uh, we, 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 we also learned that apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, they were given for the equipping of the saints, perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Uh, so the saints are meant to do the work of the ministry. That means everybody is meant to do the work of the ministry. And when we hear the work of the ministry, we don't understand what ministry means because everybody thinks ministry is to preach, to stand on top of pulpit and preach, is to, is to uh, 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 travel up and down preaching. You have what they call itinerary ministry, you have teaching ministry. We have classified ministry according to our human classifications and our selfish ideologies. And then we are bastardize the true sense and the real meaning of ministry. So Jesus, his whole work was encapsulated and summarized by one word, ministry. Ministry. What does it mean to minister? Because the Bible says the Son of God came to what minister, what to be ministered to. What does it mean to minister? The Greek word for minister is the word diakonio. Diakonio. And Diakonio has quite a number of explanations, and, and this teaching is not going to end today. I'm going to continue because it's really exhaustive. Amen. Diakonio, Diakonio has quite a number of uh, explanations uh, given by Taylor. And uh, the first one is to be a servant, to be an attendant, domestic, to carry the domestic tax, to serve, and to wait upon. And to wait upon. That means when we're talking about to be a servant, to be an attendant, to be a domestic servant to serve, and to wait upon. We're talking about to minister to God, to render ministerial offices to someone. It means to be served or to be ministered unto. It means to wait at a table and offer food and drink to the guests. To wait at a table and offer food and drink to the guests, like you have waiters. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. When you go to a restaurant, you have waiters there. Um, like somebody said, like Pastor David, he said, he said, when you pray, what you do? You wait for God. You wait, you wait on God. And he said, what does somebody do that is waiting? He said, they serve. <laughs> so what does the waiter do? You serve. So why you pray to God and you're waiting on the Lord for the manifestation of your answer to prayer? What do you do? You serve. 
But you see, Christians, I have asked God for God to give me a spouse. And I believe God will give me a spouse. But after asking for a spouse, they sit down in the pews and refuse to use their gifts to serve God in his kingdom. They refuse to use their potential to serve God in the marketplace. Waiters serve. Are you going to say? So until you have the waiter mentality, you will never get the delivery of your blessings. Because there's a lot of Christians, they are complaining about it. It, 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 it amazes me. In a society where they tell you, let me first solve my problem before I come to God. I've never seen it like this before. Where I come from, people come to God to solve their problem. But over here, people want to solve their problem first before they come to God. I've never seen it like that before. So the waiter mentality is out of place here. An environment where people would rather uh, uh, come to church one Sunday and take leave for four Sundays. And you, you, you ask the question, are they waiting on God? You want God to bless you, but you cannot wait. You cannot be a waiter. You cannot serve. A waiter stands at a table to serve food. Praise God forevermore. And it means to wait at a table and offer food and drinks to the guests. It means to minister, that is to supply food and necessities of life. We can see supply, supply, supply. You see, one of the reasons why a lot of Christians do not succeed in their work with God is because they have the demand mentality. They don't have the supply mentality. For them, they are the ones to collect. They must collect from God. They must receive. They must take. But they never supply to anybody. Everybody must wait for them, but they never wait for anybody. Everybody must wait on them, but they never wait on anybody. But look at who it again. Look at who it means that is here. It means somebody who supplies to supply food and necessity of life. To supply food and necessity of life. So if you are not a supplier, the actual fact is that you are not a minister. <laughs> Ministers are suppliers. That's what I'm saying. It is more blessed to give than to what? Receive. Ministers are suppliers. By the privilege of God's grace, we have supplied so much in these four years into the work of the ministry. Supplies from our spirit of the Lord and say, God, we have supplied. We have supplied. We have been infusing our life, our finances, our resources just to ensure that the gospel of the Lord goes back. You see, that's why sometimes I look at some foolish people, I call them foolish because they're actually foolish. You see some ministers of the gospel and you call them fake prophets. Say they are flying private jets, they are living big, they are doing this, they are doing that, they are doing this, they are doing that, they are flying, they are fake prophets. You die, you are genuine prophet, go and supply somebody. Huh? Do you know how much they have supplied and how much they are still supplying? And you, you are not, you are telling you supply yourself. And you are insulting somebody that is supplying people. You die, you are genuine, go and supply. Stop shouting, stop making noise. You see some of them bring that scripture, they bring that scripture, they bring that, they bring that faces of men of God, and they start calling their faith prophet, faith prophet, faith prophet, and they don't have that. So what bunch of fools are these? When these people were supplying for 25 years, nobody knew they were supplying. When they were supplying for 30 years, nobody knew they were supplying. They were, so, they were being sold and they were 
they were, they were spending and they were being spent for the gospel. They were giving their all, their money, their time for the gospel. They were giving everything they had. Their mates were achieving degrees. They were pursuing the gospel. Some of my mates have master's degree, I don't have yet. I graduated 2006, no master's degree yet. Many of my mates have master's degree. It's gospel that between me. And tomorrow, you begin to see God do some great things. You call me a film but I won't even reply. Because you are actually having a mental problem. You that you are genuine, go and supply. Even in your house, you cannot even supply to your family. You can't even supply to your family. And then you are calling people that supply to nations. Take profits. So people who always talk like that, take a critical look at them. They have a demand mentality. Because they believe that people are going to give to them. So that's why they keep talking in that manner. But those who have supply mentality, they don't carry out the business of which hunting people. And you get what I'm saying? I'm not saying that they are not people, they are not ministers, they are not people that claim to be ministers that are, that are um, 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 siphoning their members. Yes, it is existing. You get what I'm saying? But my business is not to, 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 to point out who is siphoning and who is not siphoning. I have not finished supplying. The day I will start poisoning is the day I will finish supplying. And that day will never come. Why? Because I will keep supplying till I go. Are you not saying? So a minister is a supplier. Are you not saying? Supply food and necessity. It means to relieve one's necessity. That's to provide, provide or take care of, distribute the things necessary to sustain. We can see that ministry is about supplying, giving, giving, giving. Are you not saying? Amen. Amen. It means to take care of the poor and the sick. It means to attend to anything that is set another's interest. Praise God for all. Hallelujah. It means to minister a thing to one, to serve one by supplying anything. Anything. Supplying anything. Now, so in summary, a minister is one who works, who supplies, who meets necessities. <laughs> So when we talk about service, we are talking about a servant is one who needs the necessity of his master. Are you getting what I'm saying? He needs the necessity of his master. That's what the servant is. That's why this master needs him. Because he needs the he needs necessity. I remember there was this verse of scripture that was exposed to me. I can't even remember beside the other paraphrase it. It was um, one of the Iron Chapman, Iron Conference Bishop that, uh, that I that I encountered that scripture and he was teaching. He says, when a summer comes back, when a master comes back to his house, as he comes back and uh, he sends the master servant on different errands. He said, by the time the servant finishes the errand, what will the servant say? What he has to say is, I have finished the task and I'm still unworthy. He doesn't expect his master to tell him what? Thank you. When I saw that thing, I was like, wow, wow, wow. So the servant's mentality is I supply without expecting appreciation. That's why we have little to no servants. In fact, in today's, in fact, it's a, it's a, in today's world, the, the real masters are the ones who are serving. <laughs> and it's the, the ones who are meant to be servants are more waiting for who to serve them. Are you not saying? That's why I see those who are serving are rising high and they are insulting everyone. Because in some 
expect appreciation from his master. Are you not saying? So, the true understanding of ministry is the understanding of servitude. And the true understanding of servitude is the understanding of supplies, is the understanding of meeting necessity. The reason why a master will keep his servant is because the servant is meeting his necessity. Now, Abraham had, uh, uh, what's the name of that servant again? Eliezer. Eliezer. And he said, Lord, what do you give me? See that I have no child. And the only man that stands to be my heir is this Eliezer of Damascus. Eliezer was a servant, but he had grown to the level of almost becoming the heir. When, when Abraham looked around, the only person he said, I would will my properties to, was a servant. In fact, when he needed a wife for Isaac, who did he say? He said Eliasa, a servant. So Eliasa, when he wanted to go to war to bring uh, uh, Lot back, it was he said Eliasa that went with him to war. So the actual fact is that I believe that it was even Eliasa that coached Isaac of many things. He came to supply. 
come to church to meet demands. I carry a, a taxi driver two me once again, and I was preaching to him. Another thing to be saying, and let me ask you a question, Pastor. If you have been attending the church, and you have been contributing and contributing, and then you were now in need, and you are in church, and the church did not support you, are you meant to leave the church? And ask you, why did you go to church in the first place? No, no, why did you go to church in the first place? Did you go to church to collect, or did you go to church to supply? And then as I was saying, I said, you should, I said, I, I want you to start believing God that God will take you to live when you build a building for your church. He met the wrongest person in his life. The man mentality. No servant. Everybody comes as a boss. Imagine the kind of church that will be. The, the, the leader is the boss. The, the shepherd is the boss. The sheep are the boss. Who is not the boss? So I'm bossing you, you are bossing me. I'm bossing you, you are bossing me. You are bossing each other. That's why the shepherd comes with the mentality of demand. And the sheep comes with the mentality of demand. So demand and demand, there is nothing. There is no economic equation. Because for an economic equation to be balanced, it will be an equation of what? Demand and what? Supply. So both parties coming with demand and demand. But imagine when there is supply and supply, there is going to be superfluity. Superfluity. And the economic equation of the church of Jesus is supply and supply. The economic equation of the world is demand and supply. If you have demand and supply in the church, you will see how problem. Because you see hungry birds coming to demand on Sunday while there is one man that has been strained and drained and stretched throughout the week coming to supply. By the time he's finished supplies on Sunday, he goes back and he's totally drained. He has to go and start the feeling to come and supply again. That is why you see that today the church of Jesus is still looking like we are not attaining where we are meant to be. Why? Because it is still demand and supply. They come together for the man of God to release his anointing on them. And then they go back and come again. And you get what I'm saying? But the original plan of the, of the church of Jesus is supply and supply. That's what the Bible says. And each joint supplying its own. And you get what I'm saying? Each joint supplying its own. It's meant to be my hand and the hand I supply. And the, and the leg I supply. And the eye I supply. It's meant to be a supply chain, a supply system. Not a demand, but supply system. Understanding of servanthood ministry has been lost. Praise God for God. But God wants to bring us back to this place. Jesus did not come to be served, He came to serve. Remember, there was somebody who was sick when we came. He said he didn't have a place to stay. He wanted to pack, he wanted to do the work of the ministry. They would just come and tell us their lives. I would say, Come and stay with us in my house. All right, I wake him up to come and pray in the morning. He's drowsing and drowsing. And I want me of this. At the point in time when I prayed and was looking at his time, I got angry. I said, You are leaving my house. You are leaving my house. And I told him, I said, I'm not looking for sleeping. I can wash my car. I can wash my clothes. I can polish my shoe. But what else again? What else do they do for men of God? So called do for men of God. I can do everything you say you want to do for me. But the Lord has given me strength, He has given me health, He has given me youthfulness. Even at my age, people don't know my age. Looking younger than my age. So I don't need anything. I'm, I'm looking for a servant. So if you cannot come and, and, and say the place of prayer, please leave my house. And I set him out. Back him out of my house. We are here to serve. Not to look for all to serve us. But the privilege of God is we have been taking care of our family.
not be able. You cannot come and say this is what you want to do, and then because you want to do it, I will now. You cannot change me. Oh, somebody came and said the keyboard, the keyboard, the keyboard, the keyboard. Oh, keyboard is there. You want to play? You play. You want to play? You go. Somebody say camera, camera. We can handle camera ourselves. The one that cannot do it, the one that can do it, it's as simple as that. Why? Because I came with a supply mentality. I don't expect you to come and meet me with a demand mentality. If you come with a demand mentality, I don't even want to talk to you. My, 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 my disposition will be pushed out. Why are you going to give yourself to me? Demand mentality. Demand mentality. Demand mentality. Look at all those words you are doing. You know, I'm not to anything. So Jesus came to serve. He came to minister. Jesus came to minister. So what, what does that mean? He came to be a servant. He came to be an attendant. He came to be a domestic help. He came to serve and wait upon man. Are you know what I'm saying? He came to, to, to be a servant to man. He came to attend. Attend to, to be an attendant. He came to be a domestic help. And he came to serve and wait upon. That's what he came to do. That is all he came to do actually. And let me tell you understand something. That was what he did and left. He left us to do to continue doing it. No, no, no. You see, Jesus came to serve. He left us to continue serving. So that when he comes, the second coming, to take his bride, we will not reign. <laughs> he's coming as a concrete king. When he comes as a concrete king, he's coming to take us so we can now start reigning. But for now, child of God, there is no boss. <laughs> there is no master. For now, we are all what? Servants. It's the second coming that will make us heavenless, bosses and masters. For now, we are in the servant's mood. And anybody who does not have the servant mentality is not going to go find this work with God. Now, who is the servant? Who is the servant? The Greek word for servant is Dolos. And Dolos, they are defined Dolos as what? A slave, a bondman, a man of servant condition. It also means one who gives himself up to another's will. Those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. Are we going to say? And it means devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interest. Are you getting me? Devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interest. Now, most of the time, people don't understand what it means to be a servant. You get devoted to another to the disregard of your own interest. For example, um, I am in Ghana, I am paying rent, both for my house and for the ministry. But I left my own interest in Nigeria. I have a house in Nigeria, ministry has a property in Nigeria. I left them just because God said I should come here. And I'm paying rent. I received this one from Ketika. Ketika that cannot even lay one block and receive it up from getting up. I receive it up from landlord. Yes, I receive it up. <laughs> but what God has blessed me with, even the so-called landlord cannot afford it. Are you gonna say? But I receive insults from landlord. And even from getting that I cannot even dust my shoe. But this is part of it. This is part of it. And why is this happening? Because I'm devoted to God to the disregard of my own interest. Are you understand what I'm saying? To the disregard of my own interest. Of my own interest. Of my own interest. More of our, our listeners come from the US. And 
there was an opportunity code. If it was an opportunity to go to the US, would have gone to the US even without coming to Ghana. I would have not felt it at all that I've gone to the US. But God said, Yeah. And we came here, disregarding our own words, interest. And that's the only key things that I came here to come and make money. To excavate or to 
dig through. Now, this one is commonly used in scriptures for digging the well, where we saw that Genesis 26 and 25, where Isaac's servants dig the well, they dig the well. So, Karam is what? For digging the well. I hear that's what I'm saying. So, a hole comes in due to Karam. And then it's also used for cutting a tomb. When we see 2 Chronicles 16, verse 14, where King Asa was buried in the tomb that he made for himself. Now that was to dig through and ear have been translated to what? To open or to pierce an ear. I you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like we have what we call ear piercing for children. Uh, for, for, for ear piercing, they do it with children, even their children, but now they do it at any age. So they pierce a hole in the ear. I you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's, it means to pierce the ear. Now to have your ear opens means you are actually receptive to the word of God and to the instruction of the Lord. Now this is one of the commonly most accepted interpretation. It means you are receptive to the word of God. So when David said, my ears are that open, that means that, person, that means the ears have been open to the instructions of God. When somebody is not open to the instruction of God, what does that mean? His ears are what? Close, exactly. <laughs> see, so it means that for even people to hear the word of God, God has to excavate their ears. That's why we use digging machine to dig their ears by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Some of them is experiences, pains, challenges that God uses as the excavator to excavate their ears. Praise God forevermore. Every one of us has different excavators that we use to excavate our ears. Praise God forevermore. Now, so it, 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 for, for one. For, for one to have his ears open for a whole to be born his ear, the first symbolic reason of that is mean that it means that that person is what it is, is, is receptive to the instructions of God. Now this is the reason why I don't waste my time on people talking. When someone is not receptive to the word of God, his ears are closed. And until his ears have been excavated, nothing you see will enter. There's nothing you see. So instead of you shouting and telling telling members, stop doing this, you are doing this, you are doing that, pray Lord, excavate their ears. There's something called the circumcision of the heart. Paul talked about it. And there's something called the excavation of the ears. <laughs> so instead of you crying, God, instead of you hitting them and coming on the water to fight them, I remember when I kept telling them, the, the grace of God that gives us status to verse 7 has given us a man that appeared to all men, teaching us to, uh, to abstain from all worldliness and, and every other. And then when I told them, I said, It is the grace of God that teaches you, I'm not the one who teach you. I will not be able to tell you not to dissolve that. Oh, that's legal, legalism. I will only reveal Jesus to you and let him teach you. When I say that, it's called that they look at me in a funny manner, in a, in a very angry manner. So this man does not want to point out our God. No, I'm not the wrong detector. That is not my ministry. My ministry is not wrong detectorship. No, my ministry. Is revelation of Jesus. When I reveal Jesus, Jesus will help you. He's the only one that can detect you, that, that, that can show you where you are going wrong. Because I may say you are going wrong at the end of the day, you may not be going wrong. Who am I? I don't know everything. And you know what I'm saying? He's the only one that can show you where you are going wrong. And he's also the only one that can excavate your ears. Because the reason why, why you, you are not obeying your word because your ears are not yet excavated. They have to be excavated. And I can't do that. So that's what my major emphasis today. There's another meaning for opening the ears. 
The practice of having one's ear pierced is found in God's law. We look at it in Exodus about 21, verse 2 to 6. Um, I'll read it fast so that we can understand it. This was a practice. It was a practice. It was a, Jew a Jewish practice. Now look at uh, Moses speaking here. He says, If that by an Hebrew servant six years, he shall, he shall serve. And in the seventh, he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. But that was, if he came in as a single man, he goes out as a single man. If he came in as a married man, he goes out with his wife. He don't have any right to keep his wife. Because it's in two of them that became your what? Servants. They came in together. Okay, that says, if his master had given him a wife, and she had borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. Now, so if he comes in single, and in the course of the six years, the master so loves him, and then gives him a wife. Say, this man, I like you so much. And he gives, maybe he takes another slave girl, another servant girl, and gives him to marry. And he marries the wife. And in the process, he gives to children. Now, if he's living on the seventh year, the master keeps the wife, and keeps and keeps the children. They are the master's property, they are not his property. So he goes, he goes out single. The other one, he gave me single, he goes out single. Are we together? Yeah. All right. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges, he shall also bring him to the door, or unto the doorpost, and his master shall pour his ear through with an owl. And he shall serve him forever. Now, so if because of love, the guy, the guy says, oh, no, 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 no. This lady, I love her too much. This children, I love them too much. Now, I cannot, I cannot afford to lose them. Then he says, Master, I love you. Now, the other man, like, you know, after really love the master, he might not have loved the master. It's actually the wife and children they actually love. But you cannot come and tell the master, I love my wife and children. I really want to manage them when they are coming. Did you bring them? No, you didn't bring them. So if you love the wife and children, you get out of my house without them. They are my property. They are actually properties. They are not human beings. So you are my property. You can't have them. But for him to be able to have them, he has to first love the master. <laughs> and that's what I want to understand. You want to love your wife and children, but you don't want to love the one who gave them to you. Yes. You don't want to love God, but you want to love the wife and children. I love my children, I love my wife. You will not bring them to serve God, you will not bring them to follow the ways of God. You are saying you love them. No problem. Very soon, you will walk out of life without them. Mm. What does that mean? It implies many things. You may come to a point where you no longer be able to take care of them. Why? Because you are chosen to love them at the expense of the master who gave them to you. And it's not possible, it doesn't work. They say that he loves his master and he loves his wife and he loves his children. He then comes to the master and says, Master, I love you. And because it's you, I love you. By force, I love you. Because if I don't love you, I cannot have this wife and children. I love you, I love my wife, I love my children. The master says, okay, no problem. In that case, you come before the judges and tell the judges this is your decision. And they use an owl, owl and they bore a hole through his ears. And he says, I am a bond slave. Why am I a bond slave? Because I have chosen to become a servant for life because of my master, my wife, and my children. So that makes us understand something, that bond 
Bond slavery is not enforced on anyone. Bond slavery is a choice. It's a decision. So let's take it this way. If the man was, the master gave the servant a wife, and the wife gave it to children, and if servant was not among the wife and the children, he just said, okay, because they gave you to me, I will just keep using you to fulfill, to, 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 to fulfill my, uh, my carnal tendency. And if the people said, children come, I don't care anymore. If he doesn't like them, what does he do? He can walk out of the master's house, leaving the wife and the children. Even if the wife and the children are crying, he can walk out leaving them. Are you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what actually makes a man a born servant is love. It's love. It's love. love. So if you don't love, you cannot be born. The reason why we have a lot of people who are just best servants and they cannot be born servants is because the love factor is missing from it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now in this verses of scripture, Moses details the law concerning the Hebrew servants. When an Israelite is faced with bankruptcy, this is what happens. He sells, he offers himself as a servant to his neighbor. Are you getting what I'm saying? In, in, in exchange for his labor, brings a lot forevermore. Now, he, that is he sells his labor to his Neighbor, but this is the last for only six years. Why? Because after six years, you have the seventh year, and that is the Sabbath year. It's actually the, the, the year of rest, praise the Lord forevermore. And on the Sabbath year, everything must return back to its original state. The land is put back to its original state. It is not plowed. We talked about the, the, the Jubilee uh, uh, some months ago, and then we talked about the Sabbath. It is not, it is not um, plowed, it is not um, found on, it is left found so for it to rest, for it to return to its original state, then in the seventh year, all servants are made free. So in the seventh year, this servant is made what? Free. He's by the law made free because on the seventh year, God returns everything back to its original state. But if the servant loves his master, his wife, and his children, and wants to continue his service, he could do so. Now, this is now a choice he makes. Are you getting me? Yes. This choice is his own choice. The, the master cannot love it over him. Are you understanding? That's why I love the way God operates. God does not love Sabbath with his lordship over you. His love of love, but he also love his lordship over us. We still have a choice to take him as Lord. And the choice to take him as Lord comes as a result of our love for him. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. And you know what I'm saying? He sent his son to die for us. He revealed his love to us. But our decision to love him back is what makes us make him love over us. But if we don't decide to love him back, he remains Lord of Lords. You see, a lot of Christians, God is Lord of Lords, but He's not their Lord. Why? Because they are not decided to love Him. Until you decide to love Him, you cannot make Him your Lord. And your decision to love Him means you have made yourself a bond servant to Him. <laughs> and this is the area many Christians don't want to enter into. Why? Because at this point, you don't have freedom again. So if he says, I love my, my, I love my master, I love my wife, I love my 
Nigeria. Then he says, I, I will not go out as a free man again. I choose to be in bondage forever. And to make these officials, a hole is put in his ear. And it leaves him with a permanent scar. This is the mark of what? Permanent servitude. So a hole is cut through his ear. A hole is cut through. And that just like the way, just the same way animals are, are attacked. You know, there's, there's all branding in agriculture, branding. They are branded with hot metals to put a brand on their body. But for things like, for animals like cows, they pad their ears. And you understand, they punch their ears. Now this man is now punched in quote like an animal. He's put a tag, and that tag is the tag of a permanent perpetual servitude. No more freedom. And he leaves his scar on him. That scar, whenever he sees that scar, he remembers his decision he made. Whenever he sees that scar, he remembers his status. Whenever he sees that scar, he remembers his identity. What is my decision? Love. What is my status? Servant. What is my identity? No freedom. You see, this is where our Christians speak because we have said we confess Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior, but we actually do not confess. Because we have not received the scar. What is your scar? What is your tag? That is not my teaching. I'm not going, that's not going to be today. I'm going to get a on. Praise the Lord for everyone. Now, we know from the New Testament that the Psalm 40 is a Messianic Psalm. If you see in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 to 7, the words of Psalm 40, verse 6 to 8 are quoted. And that's Jesus quoted. And they're, they're quoted as Jesus speaking those words for Psalm Same way Jesus spoke, um, read the book of Isaiah, and the Spirit of God is upon me, he quoted it and he closed the book and he said, This is this what? Prophecies revealed, same way he quoted, same way uh, he quoted uh, uh, Psalm 40 as touching himself. Praise God forevermore. Now, these words are said to have been spoken by Christ when he came into this world. In verse 6, David says, My ears have you opened, referring to Christ's choice to become what? A servant. Now, let me pay the sound something. Christ decided to be a servant even before he came. Because if you go through the go through, go through scripture and say, and God was thinking, who will go and who will go and save? And Jesus said, I will go. So he knew the intricacies of coming here. He knew that he had made a choice for what? Servanthood. Born servanthood. Are you getting what I'm saying? In the seventh to eight, it speaks about how Christ would come to do the will of the Father. For ultimately he came to offer himself as a what? Sacrifice for sin. So the Hebrews chapter 10 draws it directly between, uh, between Christ and the bold servants. It draws it directly between Christ and the bold servant. So now Jesus, the, 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 the whole of his mission, his mission was all encapsulated by what? Bold servant. That's why he said, everything I do, the, the Father has to tell me before I do it. Are you what I'm saying? He had no will of his own. That's why when he came to the servant, he said, not my will, but that be done. As a man, there was a will. But as a poor servant, there was no will. So when he came to Gethsemane, when there was a struggle between the man and the poor servant, he realized that there was a scar on his ear. Are you understanding? He, he remembered that there was a scar on his ear. His ears had been punctured. A hole had been dug in his ear. So when there was a 
whole servant. The whole is reminded him you are not a man, my whole servant. Because I know the whole servant is not a man, it's a commodity of the owner. So you are not a man and you are a poor servant. And he said, not my will, but thy will, that will be done all over. Because the realization, the, re the remembrance, and the recalling of his identity, his status, and his position made him choose the father's will. So the reason why we struggle with the will of God is because we are not yet born servant. We are still masters of our own. That's the reason why a lot of times we struggle with the will of God. I tell you the truth. Doing missions, I remember I was speaking with, um, with my, my leaders there in, in Nigeria, and I was talking with them, and I told them, see, people are not pastors. I said, okay, you think me and mom are pastors? And they were looking at me. And I said, we are missionaries. I didn't understand what I was saying there. This was dead back, close to eight years ago. I said, eight or nine years, if not ten years. I said, we are missionaries. I didn't understand what I was saying. I didn't understand. I didn't have a little, just a little, <laughs> a little idea of what I was saying. I told them, and they were looking at me. I didn't have a little idea of what I was saying. I said, we are missionaries. We are not pastors. We are missionaries. I didn't know what I was saying. Maybe they can still remember. I don't know if they can still remember. It was asking the two people, if you are married. I said, we are, you think, I said, you are not pastors. You think you are pastors. I said, you think we are not pastors. We are missionaries. We are not pastors. I didn't understand what I was saying. I said this thing, and it what I was saying years after what I said began to manifest. I think in my own, in my own will, I want to be a missionary. Some people think that staying outside the country is home. It's not actually for no matter how sweet outside this home is still home. But we came to understand, we came to a point where we understood that we are not men of our own any longer. We are born servants. So when Jesus was in the summer, he remembered the porch, the hole in his ear, and he prayed the right prayer. Are we together? And that's the beauty of the hole. Because why do we have to point our hole? Because if they don't point our hole with the permanent scar, sometimes the bone servant will forget that it's the bone servant. Why does God allow scars? God allows scars to remind us of who we are, where we are coming from, and identity. Yeah, that's why God allows scars. So when we look at the scars, we remember. Praise God. There are four things about the commitment offered by the Hebrew servant that are noteworthy. The first one is that it was based on the servant's love for his master. Are we together? Actually, that love for his master, I would say, is a little questioning. Because what made him a whole servant is majorly because of the love for his wife and his children. Not the master in quotes. Because the truth is that once wife and children, once family gets into the picture, there's a divided loyalty. Why does a man go all out looking for money? Is it not for wife and children? There's a divided loyalty. So his loyalty, maybe before, before the master gave wife and children, his loyalty was absolutely to the master. But now that the master has given wife and children, the loyalty is divided. So you will have 70% love for the wife and children, and then 30% for the master. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, but he knows that for him to keep the wife and the children, he has to do what? Love the master. Without loving the master, he cannot keep them. Yes. Because if he tells the master, I love my wife and children, the master says, carry on go now. You will swear that you can carry on going. They are my property. So if you want to love them, you have to first love me. So let me use one. Is a forceful love. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
but they had no love for that law because of the love of the heart of children. So first, it was based on the servant's love for his master, wife, and children. Number two, it was voluntary. The servant had an opportunity for freedom, and he chose to be a servant. Are you getting what I'm saying? It was voluntary. Now, although, you see, it's, that is what is a little complicated. He has an opportunity for freedom, but there are some strings that are attached. What are the strings? The love. You see, just like anyone, if you see anybody who is a genuine lover of God, you notice that he has the opportunity to go and live his life the way he wants. But there are some strings attached. <laughs> uh, I did a marketing job. I should have gone into the banking industry with my good, at least manageably good talking ability. I should have still been doing a good salesmanship job. But there are some strings attached. We are not preaching because we enjoy it. No, no, no. I'm not preaching because I enjoy it. I'm preaching because of what Apostle Paul says. Who am I if I do not preach the gospel? Necessity is laid on me. There are some strings attached. He said the love of God will constrain us. There are some strings attached. I should have loved to live. My past after all said for six years. It was because I was bankrupt. That's why I sold myself to him. I sold my labor to him in exchange of money so I can pay some debt. Okay, I have paid the debt. I am free from my debt. I can go. But no, something drags me back. I hear the voice of my wife. I hear the voice of my children. I want to go, but the voice is calling me back. And in moving one step forward, I'm moving backward. of love on the day. So the voice of love makes you voluntarily choose to be a born servant. Have you the world? No, no, no problem. There's no problem at all. No problem. 
thing until you understand what it means to be laid on the altar. You cannot understand what it means to rise in glory. Men who laid their lives on the altar have risen with glory to the Lord Jesus. And here you are castigating them. You don't understand the bond servant who they are experiencing. Many of them would have loved to live their life in another direction. Not necessarily unbelievers. Some of them would have just liked to be church members. Go and sit in the church and go back home and go to the office. Some of them would have loved to live just ordinary Christian lives. I don't do it for music. 
And then I just carry, after class, I just carry the set, set down. I don't need to read it. I don't read it. Don't read the man. I don't start to read it. I'm actually reading book that I'm not going to say about. And I went in my second. How many stairs there are about my second? They're like two or three stairs. I just sit down on top of the chair like that. I sit down on the table man, like that. And I push you. After all, you can not ask a person again. You can do say that. Me, no concern. I'll come and do say that. And one day, as I was teaching something, as I and the man was, and looking at what I was saying, whether it was the same God, they were getting pregnant, flying, flying. There was a guy who was not a member of myself, he was sitting at the back, and he stopped reading his book and he was looking. He was shocked in my teaching. What kind of selling that this one? Where has he selling that thing that will never be? When I finish with my baggy trousers and walk out again, he don't consign me. I don't want this pastor telling that. After that, it was like, went to another church, went to a church, assisted the pastor. But at the point in time, when I knew the ministry call was coming on me, I said, well, what I want to do is to be a teacher of the world. I don't want to pastor people. They have problems. Let me just teach the world. And be, I'll be holding seminars and conferences. And I'll sit down in one denomination and just be at the pew there, at the back. And then call my seminars whenever I hold them and come and go. But in all that, in all that, when the time came, the strength pulled me. Yes. We are not preaching in court because we enjoy preaching. But there is a hole in our ear. Yes. Third, the third thing about, about um, the, the, the servant was, was that it was permanent. Once he committed himself, there was no way out. Permanent. Forever. Did 
fullness of humanity. My mom always says something. She will say, she will say, Christianity is a level. <laughs> I need to understand the weight of that phrase. Neither did I know what the child was, the pregnancy it carried. When I began ministry, I knew what she was saying. I understand it only. Christianity is a what? Level. Like we say, people will not reach. She said, you done. 
I knew that. And she, I think she laid hands on my head or my shoulder and prayed for me. I didn't know what she was doing that day. If I knew, maybe I should have said I'm not ready yet. She prayed for me. And that, that season of my life told things in another direction. And that prayer she made years ago, I'm still experiencing things till today. I remember a young man who met me once. He was my mentee. I was training him then. But after the guy, he said that uh, he, has, he has this father to me. So, but then my man was an early, he was 11 year old, I trained him for a while. And then one day he met me and said, Pastor Chindi, I want to be a pastor. He so admired me, I was his idol, I was his everything. And he said, I want to be a pastor. I said, all right, look down. And I laid hands on him and I prayed for him. And after he prayed for him, as he stood up, another of the girls in the teenage church came and she insulted him. They used to say, they wash you, they rinse you, and they dry you. She watched him, raised him, and tried him with insult. And he came to me and said, oh, Rajivi, Rajivi, you see what you did to me? He said, I said, what is it? I said, you want to be pastor? Is it not you? I only obeyed your request. And this is the fruit. This is just the fruit. And today he's still telling me he will be. The last time we spoke, he said he will be pastor. But I don't know that he still wants to be pastor. I don't know this But I'm going to tell you, this decision, why you make it most of the time, you don't know what points are out to the tapes. Are you me? Many of us did not know what they did when we're making ourselves born servant. Lord, everywhere you lead, I will go. Lord, I will follow you. Your will is not me. Your decision is my decision. We didn't know what we were saying. But Jesus did. And in the summer, he makes us look like you. He knew that Elia was already punctured with the hole. That's why he could easily shift from the human will to the will of the Father. Why? Because he knew that there was this car as he was praying and blood was coming out of his epidemics. He touched this car and he said, I remember Lord, your will. He touched the sky, he said, your will. Some of us, because we've not got through that scar, that's why we can easily just oppose from his will to our will, from his will, to our will, from our will, to his will, because there is no scar. There is no hole in your ear. So you That's the you go to your will and you just oppose what you feel just opposing you start in the middle. Because there's no hope. <laughs> I will preach this message for you, but I don't want to do that. Finally, Christ was committed to doing the will of the Father in heaven and in all respects. Philippians 2 verse 8 speaks about how our Lord humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Philippians 2 verse 8 says, And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We can see that the four, four, the four things that describe Paul's servanthood, Jesus revealed all of them. He, he actually manifested them in his life. And you get what I'm saying? Yes. Now, this sense was not easy at all. In Gethsemane, you see that Jesus was the bold servant. He knew what it entailed, and he prayed that the cup of what this cup would take away from But when he, he tossed the hole, he went back and said, well, it, Not my will, but I will be done. But I will be done. As a bold servant of God, of the Father, Jesus committed himself wholeheartedly to our redemption. Because he touched the hole. He said, There is a hole here. 
This one is the one that shows that I am totally, finally, absolutely committed to serve my father. There is no other way out. The only way out is the will of the father. Someone once said it was not the names that held Jesus to the cross. It was love that held him to the cross. Now what love was this? And whom did Jesus love? Just as a born servant becomes one on his own volition and choice because he loves his master, he loves his wife, and he loves his children and cannot afford to go without them. Jesus became a born servant to the Father on his own volition for the same reasons. So Jesus had the love of a born servant to the Father who was his master on the cross and for his bride who is the church and for all who will be accepted in the belong as children of God. You see that? So the cross, what kept Jesus on the cross was the love for his father, which was his master at that point in time. Because on the cross he didn't call him father. Remember, the only on the cross he called him my Lord, my Lord. Why is that? I said, my Lord, my Lord, in the back to me. All before that he called him my father. He called him the father. But on the cross he called him my Lord. That means on the cross he was not son then he was servant. He was born servant. And then he was dealing with his Lord. Yes. The love for his Lord kept him moved to the cross. The love for his bride that he was to give back to the church kept him there to the cross. And the love for everyone who be accepted in the love that children of God kept him to the cross. Thank you, Jesus. This was the love that came to the cross. This love made him the born servant of the Father. Listen to me very well. It's only love that can make a man a born servant. It's only love that can make a man ignore his will and choose the will of the Father. So don't tell me I don't love God. Don't tell me I don't love humanity. If I be doing what I'm doing, just by the fact I'm not enjoying it, child of God, you have a right to criticize me. It is the love of the Father that will keep me doing this. It's the love of the Church of Jesus that will keep me doing this. It's not because of you. It's not because of money. It's not because of things. It's because I love him. That's why I've been born to this woman. Yes. Yeah. I met a young man some two years ago. And he asked me. And I told him, I, I met him on another ground. And we were talking. And I told him we were at church. And he said, are you the pastors of that church? He said, yes. I said, well, you always play music. I said, yes. He said, when I was passing there, I said, whosoever rented that facility, those people, they love God. That's what he told me. But every other person around told me I came here to, to look for money. But what has been time? They cannot explain how I've been preaching to my family for years. My family alone. They cannot explain it. How I've been preaching to my family alone for years. Because even the time when people was I was preaching to my family, I don't preach to them. They can't explain it. I've been preaching to my family alone. Yet I'm still concerned. I preach to my family on Sunday. We pray on Wednesday. On Friday, I'm doing, I'm doing online meetings. And throughout the month of April, online meetings. I've been preaching seven days. They can't explain how I've been preaching and preaching and preaching. Even with the fact that the people here. what is keeping my mouth moving. The love for the church is what is keeping my mouth moving. The love for everyone that we are setting the beloved is what is keeping my mouth moving. That's what hung Jesus. That's what kept Jesus on the cross. Not the nails. It was the love. 
Christ. This Lord made him a bond servant to the Father. This same Lord led him to the cross. And this same Lord kept him on the cross till he finished the work of redemption. Hallelujah. Child of God, Jesus made this choice just because of you and I. He should have called 10,000 angels. He told that I can, I can tell my father that he will send thousands of angels. We just come and kill of you chickens. Say, but no, you don't understand. I didn't come this time to be the concrete king. I came this time to be the God's servant. Mm. So this time I cannot call angels to come and fight for me. No, 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 no. The only time angels came were twice in, 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 in the wilderness after he fasted, they came to war, strengthening him. And in the ceremony, after he had accepted the will of the Father, he believed he was a God's servant, they came to strengthen him. That was the only time angels came to, to minister to Jesus, to strengthen him. They never came to come and be fired back to. Why? Because he didn't come to be a warrior. At this first coming, he came as a servant. Child of God, you must remember what Jesus came to do, and we must do it in that same light. Jesus, the born servanthood, led him to the cross, kept him on the cross, till he finished the work of redemption. Let's lift up our hands this moment. I just worship Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we appreciate you. Can we just love him a little? Oh, Jesus, we love you. Can we just love him a little? Praise. We love Can we just love him a little? We glorify your name. blessed by this teaching. To listen to more teachings by Pastor Chimdi Ohahuna, please visit Grace Life Kami Podcast today.
Send us an email via chimdiohahunaministry at gmail.com. For more information about the ministry, kindly visit our website, chimdiohahunaministry.org. Grace to you. Jesus is Lord.